So for those of you who have been listening to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah since day one, you probably know by now that I'm kind of a basic bro. I still go to Coachella every year, I'll wear the occasional snapback to a Warriors game, and yeah, I host a weekly podcast about Entourage. One of the things I found out recently about myself is that I am no longer capable of wearing t-shirts with logos on them. Maybe it's because I'm in my 30s, but for some reason wearing a shirt with a cool design or logo on the front just makes me look like I'm saying, how do you do, fellow kids? Since I'm a writer and a podcaster and I live in California, I wear t-shirts all day, every day. Which is why I want to tell you about the basic collection from Highly Clutch t-shirts. Their basic tees are butter soft, have a bespoke fit, and come in a wide variety of colors. They're pre-laundered so your tee doesn't shrink after the first wash, and they feature a classic side seam for some added structure. These tees feel so good that a few times I've actually pulled one of them from the dirty laundry to wear it twice. So go to HighlyClutch.com and click on the Basics tab at the top of the page to shop the collection. Their three packs of tees come in different collections like the Bright 3 pack, the All Black collection, and my personal favorite, the Blues. I don't know, something about the color blue just makes my eyes pop. Head to HighlyClutch.com to shop the Basics collection. And now, back to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. You come from Queens? Yeah, born and raised. Vince, too. It's actually his favorite band. Too bad you don't have a project about them, Bob. What if I was to tell you that somewhere in this house, I've got a script about the Ramones? Yes. If I can read it on the way home, it's something I might be interested in. What if I told you we have a podcast episode for you breaking down all of the Bob Ryan episodes of Entourage? Is that something you might be interested in? Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. My name is J.R. Hickey, your host, coming to you from San Francisco, California. Every Monday morning, we break down a new episode of Entourage, the acclaimed HBO dramedy, which went off the air eight years ago, 2011. God, time sure flies. We are exactly one-third of the way through through the show's run. There are 96 episodes of Entourage. This is our 32nd or 33rd episode of the show. So think of everything we've done the past 30 episodes together and just look forward to what we have ahead. There is so much coming up that we are so excited to share with you. Thank you to everyone that's been listening, sharing, subscribing, tweeting about the show. We're only getting bigger, and we're super excited to have this opportunity to talk to you about what is one of the best shows of all time. Our guest this week for I Want to Be Sedated, episode 10 of season 3, is NBA 2K announcer Jeff Eisenband. I had Jeff on in season 2 for Chinatown. We talked a lot about esports in that episode. This is not an esports episode of Entourage. We talked a lot this episode about Saigon, Bob Ryan, the famous Entourage character played by Martin Landau, open relationships, E and Ari's dynamic really great episode jeff's a pro he talks for a living so he's a great podcast guest he's a great follow on twitter if you guys haven't followed him yet at jeff eisenband he's currently in the off season for the nba 2k lead that'll be back in the spring so make sure you tune in for what he's up to until then make sure you follow us on social media at oh yeah pod on instagram and twitter Please leave us a five-star review if you've been enjoying the podcast. Those five-star reviews are super helpful. They get more people interested in the pod, and they get us higher visibility on the charts. So I know I sound like a broken record asking for that week over week, but they're important. So without further ado, let's talk the Ramones, Bob Ryan, and Sidon's new record deal with Jeff Eisenband. Okay, everyone, we are back for another episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. Welcoming back this week, he's back. We had him on for an early season two episode, Chinatown. We broke down the esports episode. He is here to talk about a non-esports episode of Entourage. NBA 2K announcer and NBA Twitter personality, Jeffrey Eisenband, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I, I guess I did a good enough job to bring me back again. You did a fantastic job, man. And I felt bad because I kind of, you know, trapped you into talking about your career. So I, I want to talk about something just completely non sequitur. Let's just let's just talk about like a fresh entourage episode. We can do that. <laughs> um, so we were talking today about episode 10 of season three. I want to be sedated. Usually at this time, I ask the guests like, what does entourage mean to you? Where were you when you first experienced it? Blah, blah, blah. You've covered that. And I'm going to take a quick pivot from doing the 
here's what happened this week on Entourage. I'm getting really tired of having to do that because week <laughs> over week, not a lot happens in the summertime. I'm realizing there's no sports. Yeah. There's no, you know, I guess movies. So I guess, okay, here's, here's my question. What do you think the number one movie at the box office was on August 13th, 2006? 2006 when this was The Departed 2005. The Departed was 2006. Okay, well, how how close was it? Was it the number one? No, you're a couple months off. You're, uh, I think The Departed was in the fall, winter, since we're still in the August, August month. The number one movie at the box office was a film that follows the events of hundreds of snakes being released on a passenger plane. Snakes on a plane? <laughs> yep. Samuel! <laughs> Samuel. Snakes on a plane, man. <laughs> Plastic. I, never, I actually never saw it. <laughs> amazing. It? An amazing movie that you can see on TV probably any given week of the year. is. It's one of those movies that they just always play on TV. I know. Um, number one song at the box office or on the uh, Billboard charts. Apologies. It's early for me, so I'm, I'm just getting my... Uh... <laughs> my words together. Number one song was uh, London Bridge by Fergie. Wow. It spent three weeks at number one and kind of ironically enough, had debuted on Entourage just the week before in the Vedas Baby Vedas episode. So kind of a coincidence, probably not a coincidence that it was on Entourage last week and then this week it's uh, number one in the Billboard charts. Well, they did all, remember, what was it? Uh, Good Life debuted, yep. was that? Good the, Life, famously. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there was a, it was a different time for the kids listening. You know, that was how you got, there was, people weren't getting songs out on YouTube yet. You know, That's if you true. wanted, you had to get a, a song on the radio or you had to get it on a TV show. Shouts to Scott Venner, a music producer. He was he was the key guy behind that. Just would uh, find those like underground songs and then and, and feature them on the show and they, they become mainstream. So got to get him on at some point. All right. I'm going to recap the episode really quick. Yep. So it is, uh, it's Turtle's big day, the record deal signing, but Sidon is nowhere to be found. When he goes to the meeting with the artist, he infuriates the record exec who gives him until the end of the day to deliver the rapper. In the meantime, Vince decides to spend his unemployed time at a bookstore, where he meets a cute girl and spends the day with her. Ari has been preoccupied with setting up his new agency, and with the Vedas brawl and the foreign press debacle fresh in his mind, Eric accuses him of blowing off his star client. The pair butt heads in the office, and as a way of sticking it to Eric, Ari dumps lawn-winded old-school producer Bob Ryan on him. Turtle and Drama turn LA upside down trying to find Sidon. They finally locate him partying in a swanty hotel suite with his other manager. Drama tries to intervene on Turtle's behalf, but he ends up dangling from the hotel balcony. Sidon steps in to get his manager to buy Turtle out for a quick $40,000, and Johnny Drama is spared. At Bob Ryan's house, Eric is ready to flee, but as he waits for Bob to find his driver, he spots a photo of him with Joey Ramone. Bob just happens to own a script about the Queen's punk pioneers, Vince's favorite band, and Eric has now stumbled upon Vince's next bid project. Jeff, what was your favorite moment from the episode? So, as a, I'll tell you this. The first time I watched the episode, drama dangling from the balcony was by far... I mean, I think that's the moment that people don't remember which episode that was necessarily, yep. but they remember when that happened. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, drama says he's hanging from the balcony and he <laughs> says... He says, um, you know, I got a pilot. I got a pilot. And then when he gets pulled up, he said, you, he says to Turtle, you should have held out longer. I think I could have made the pool, which is like iconic Johnny drama right there. With that said, as I've watched this episode a number of times over the year, sure. I actually think my favorite moment is when Bob comes up this up the elevator and Ari hooks Ian Bob up and sends him on their way. And Lloyd says to Ari, that was mean. And Ari yep. says, for which one of them? <laughs> and I think that right there is just is just typical Ari being kind of devilish while actually trying to get something. You know, he's trying to get stuff done for himself. You know, I'd have an easier time getting a face-to-face -face with Osama bin Laden. Try making an appointment, Bob. Appointments are for salesmen, kid. Come here. But... <laughs> uh what can I do for you, Bob? You can finally pay me back for helping you sign Billy Freakin' when you were barely out of the mailroom. How many Mrs. Beasley's baskets will it take to make you smile? Just throw me a movie star I can take to the studios. And you know I'm not leaving until you do. I know, I know. E! Uh, you know Vincent Chase? Vincent Chase? Well, I haven't seen a kid that good looking since I was that good looking. Meet Eric Murphy, this is Vincent Chase's manager. 
Uh, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. This is Bob Ryan. He's a legend. All right, the guy has almost as many Oscars as John Williams. He produced Network, The Sting, Dog Day Afternoon, many others. Wow, those are great movies. What if I was to tell you I have a movie better than any of those that would be perfect for Vincent Chase? Now, would that be something you might be interested in? Definitely. Boom, I'm a matchmaker. I love it. Have lunch, talk it over. How about that? My driver's waiting outside. Great. Come, let's go. Thanks, Ari. Thanks, Ari. That was mean. To which one of them? What he's kind of doing in that moment is he's like solving two immediate problems while in theory creating a bigger one. Like, cause he knows that like Bob has nothing for E, but he gets E out of his office and he gets Bob off of his back. So like, he's just kind of like pushing the ball up the court, like just a little bit more at a time. And, um, it's a great moment. I, I definitely had the drama being dangled moment as, as my favorite. I also liked you don't realize it in rewatching this, Jeff, but this is our first glimpse at the brand new Miller Gold agency with uh, E kind of walking in and looking around. The whole agency is under construction. Lupe Fiasco's I Gotcha is playing. And it's really kind of cool because that setting is the main setting, one of the main settings for the show for the rest of its uh, run, which I, I thought was kind of cool. It, it was cool. And I, I didn't realize, and I assume this isn't ruining it for anyone, um, you know, that Vince is going to dump Ari as his agent soon, yep. that there wasn't a lot of, you know, if you're watching this live, it's like, holy crap, right when Ari gets this office, this is when, uh, you know, Vince is about to dump him. So you're not thinking about that here. But uh, yeah, the I mean, the the not only does this, the office going to be the backdrop for so long, but you watch it right here. I mean, it's going to look the same for about for six seasons. It's not one of those things that gets an overhaul. I know Ari mentions having to put in a shower um, or, that a, never or a but Yeah, whatever he mentions here, either that never happens or the writers realized there's no point in like having Ari in the sauna all the time. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting seeing how excited he is, especially because he's so excited to decorate this office. But a running theme is every time his wife needs his help decorating something he doesn't want any part of it truly truly that's a good that's a good catch like he's really like in, invested in his like tv mount and his like uh, you know his coffee table but every time he needs to lift a finger at home what's interesting about the way the office is set up is it's truly like a giant fishbowl like everyone can see everyone and i don't know about you know the nba 2k offices but like uh <laughs> at where i worked in oakland like we have this kind of situation, open floor seating, glass conference rooms. It's it's kind of tough because you can't get any privacy. Um, but it's perfect for a, a, an HBO show where you need to see people you know, from across the room. <laughs> it's very new school. And I think part of Ari's shtick is always that he's watching everyone. Yeah, true. So, you know, how many times does he leave his office in the series to go to, to that, that conference room in the center to yell at people? Yep. You know, that... that <laughs> that factors in and that he wants he wants to have this aura that he's watching over everyone at every time and that people are always seeing that he's working. Absolutely. Jeff, what was your favorite bros being bros moment? As you know, every week we talk about just like moments of male friendship and uh, we call that the bros being bros segment. What was yours? I actually, I was thinking about when, uh, so there's a scene in the hotel where the where Turtle and Drama are knocking on every single door in the standard uh -huh. hotel and Drama says something like, Okay, that's it. I'm done. No, you are not done. You work for me, remember? This is my day. That isn't official. You think you're having a bad day, Drama? It's the worst day of my life. Come on, man. Stick with me, please. All right, you're right, Turtle. I'm sorry. Let's go check the fourth floor. I just thought about it, like, and, and again, this is before this, what, this came out in, like, 2006, you said? It's a yep. little before the boom of technology and being on your smartphone all the time and everything like that. Um, and you know, it was more of, you do these things with your friends and you're blocked off to the world and drama really, I mean, he's got a pilot the next day and he spends his whole day playing yeah. detective with turtle, trying to track down Saigon. Now I get it. It's a TV show and that's how these guys are. But like, you know, I was thinking to myself at the time rewatching it, just when would I do this for someone? And even if I was, when would I not be like, all right, let's just like screw around on our phones or yeah. Whatever, let's go like a grab a cup minutes. of coffee and like yeah, recharge a little bit and look at our phones. I, I get it. That that's just one loyalty that you always see with these guys, right? There's the scene not in this episode where Ari says, "Well, they actually when they go to Vegas a few episodes before, I think when Ari says, is this what you guys do all day?'" And they're just like <laughs> sitting in the car. <laughs> yep. And then 
turtle pops on yeah. porno, which is okay. <laughs> um, that's that's a really good subtle bros being bros. I think the more like obvious one for this episode is just the the opening sequence with turtle coming downstairs. He's got like his fresh outfit on. Uh, iconic turtle opening his eyes and and sparking up a joint like before like the you know before he's even like gotten out of bed and he walks into the kitchen and and nobody acknowledges that it's his big signing day and they're all kind of fucking with him so so what so how do i look you look okay why are you so dressed up you guys are kidding me right what is today what's today what is today is it your birthday no it's not my fucking birthday I can't believe this. I got my record deal signing with Sammy Kane. Is that today? Oh, damn, I forgot all about that. Oh, good luck, buddy. Biggest day in my life and you forgot. You guys really suck. Guy <laughs> 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 finally breaking his chair. You're gonna make a buck. Oh, don't fuck with the hat. It's not that we forget. Look what everyone did. I made your favorite. Raspberry frosting. Yeah, and I cut the crust off just the way you like it. Nice! I had the truck detailed. Really? And I'm gonna be driving you today. Unbelievable. What'd you do, Vince? I think I've done enough, Turtle. Uh, true, true. But uh, there's also a line in there when Turtle comes down. Uh, you know, he, the, he starts the episode, he's trying on different hats and different outfits and he comes down and Vince says, you look nice today or something like that. <laughs> and, you know, Turtle's just in, in street clothes. Like he yep. looks like he could be anywhere. Yeah. Um, he looks like Turtle. Yeah. But the fact that Vince said something like you look nice today, meaning that Turtle's <laughs> more dressed up than usual is, is a great line. And, uh, and th- that's when Turtle says, you know, What'd you do for me today, Vince? And Vince says, haven't I done enough? And Turtle says, all right. Vince is about to give him his, his allowance. And he says, no. Drama says, you need money for parking. And he goes, yeah, I'll take a 20 or something like that. <laughs> it was a little weird, Vince being like, but every day is payday or something. Like, just pulls out like a wad of cash. Like, that's how it is. That's how, that's how celebrity entourages truly are in today's era. Like, you are paying your friends to stick around. So we talked about our favorite moments from the episode. What was your least favorite moment from this episode, Jeff? Um, I, I mean, I think that just the the pain of Bob not knowing what to tell Eric, like when they're they're eat, they're at the uh, they're eating in his backyard, and Eric says something like, "So, Bob, what's that project?" And he says, "Thank you, Alan." So, Bob, tell me about this project. You think Vince would be perfect for? After we digest, Eric. After we digest. There's a certain pain about, you know, Bob in this episode. And I'm not not to obviously you'll do an episode for the you'll do a, a podcast episode for the next Entourage episodes. But, sure. you know, I, rewatching this, I watched the next one. And there's a theme in both episodes that Bob is just out of touch with. Yeah. With Eric and then Ari in the in the next episode and that there's yeah. this sort of fast paced new school showiness of Hollywood that he's just not a part of. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about the character of Bob a little bit deeper when we get to celebrity cameos, but uh, I agreed, he's, I think he's supposed to be a bit of a nuisance to everybody, and Martin Landau, legend, plays it really well. So l- let's put a pin in that really quick. My other least favorite moment, Ari getting all sensitive about E calling him a douchebag was a little strange to me. When Vince is ready to work, I will work for him. You really are a front-running douchebag, you know that? Bob Ryan is outside. He said to tell you that he will hoist himself on his own petard if you don't come see him. I don't know what it means, but it sounds dangerous. You're not seriously leaving in the middle of this conversation. Conversations usually end after one person calls the other person a douchebag. You called him a douchebag? He doesn't like that. Ari, check out the new Italian marble. He'll be right back. Ari, you call everyone every horrible name under the sun and douchebag apparently is like your trigger point? That felt a little out of character for me. Also, they say something, E's going to the meeting, and Vince, I think, says something to him, like, we haven't seen Ari in a while. The last episode was the Vegas episode, where Ari was, you know, at the blackjack table with them. So I don't really, creatively, I'm not sure why they did that. So, you know, I think you're supposed to believe that Ari's kind of locked into this... to to this new office and everything, and that's what he's been up to, but it doesn't feel like that in terms of time passing. Yeah, and I... 
I'm not trying to like badge on the writers or the or even the characters of the boys, but like if <laughs> if my agent was like setting up a new bigger agency and I was a part of it, I I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't hear from the dive for a week. Like I don't know, maybe but maybe it, things move faster in Hollywood. And also Vince is an A-list client; he needs like you know kind of round the clock attention. One just sort of plot flaw that Entourage has as a whole is R.A. seems to have all these connections with all these other huge actors, Matt Damon, Zac Efron, Jessica Simpson, whoever they are. And like the fact that he's making Vince such a priority over them just isn't realistic <laughs> when you really think about it. I mean, it Mark Wahlberg, isn't. you know, like Mark Wahlberg has the line where he says, I'm making you so much you know, money, Ari, or whatever it is. But it's like, well, why would you not even <laughs> even Vince is not made up to be the top top movie star of the industry like i it, that's just one one interesting you know i get that he's it's like his baby but come on sure and quick plug i wrote a piece for complex.com two weeks ago where i ranked every single celebrity that appears in entourage so if you guys haven't read that yet the link to read that is in the uh, show notes of today's episode let's move on to our favorite quotes from the episode so there's, there's some good ones this week um i like vince saying it's sad to watch the kids leave the nest as if he's like a disappointed parent in the morning uh, what else what else jumped out at you jeff well i said i, I love the line where uh, where lloyd says that was me and then ari says to which one i think that you know like i, I said the other one uh when drama at the end says you should have held out longer i think i could have made the pool <laughs> I thought those were great. I'll tell you, cringeworthy quotes. Every time drama is like kind of mocking Saigon's crew, yep. It yep. Is, that is that is to me the biggest thing that doesn't age well in this episode. At all. So. He's talking to the hotel clerk. I don't see anything under the name Saigon. He's a black man about yo high, probably carrying a Glock. Do you guys have a metal detector here? No, we don't. Thanks anyway. Jesus, fit every like rapper racial stereotype you can in one sentence drama. He says, uh, Turtle says something like, I, I can't find Saigon. And mm -hmm. drama says, maybe he got clipped in a drive by. Where the fuck is Saigon? Maybe he got clipped in a drive by. That would suck. I'm calling him again. I mean, it's supposed to be like he's an out of touch, privileged white guy who like only knows hip hop culture from, you know, rap music videos so it's funny in that way but you're right it doesn't age particularly well and, and doesn't come across as particularly funny you just kind of you shudder when you hear him say that that's more of the thing you probably could have could have um in today's comedic world it probably would have been the opposite way it probably would have been saigon's crew like making drama uncomfortable as opposed yep. to drama feeling so overconfident around them yep, yep. um it just does yeah turtle has a great line, Jerry Ferrara, great comedic actor. Oh, you're not happy. I got 40 grand riding on finding Saigon in the next four hours. If I don't, I'm gonna kill myself by eating all your Propecia pills. Which <laughs> just is that great, like, that great drama turtle dynamic. I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, Jeff, but you know, Jerry Ferrara and Kevin Dillon, their age difference is, I think, 17 years. So it really truly is like, <laughs> And uh, like a much older brother, or like a young father, and his like and his teenage son, and which, which I love. Just so you, uh, because we've talked about this, like I've talked with Jerry about it, that he still plays golf with Kevin Dillon all the time. Like they're still boys; they're still really close. You know, of, of anyone in the cast, I think they're probably the two closest since the show has ended. Um, they were in each other's weddings, if I recall. Yeah, they're yeah. they're. Now, I, I believe that that marriage is over, but they were in each <laughs> other's right. weddings at the time. Uh, Turtles happily, uh, Dre Ferrari is happily married with a new with a uh, new son, actually. That's as right. As you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, and, and I think we went over this. Kevin Dillon, the Dillons, are went to Mamaroneck High School, the same high school as me. So, um, and didn't you run into Kevin at a bar or something? I, yeah, I was with. We we brought a bunch of my college friends who were in town, and we went to kind of the local tavern in Mamaroneck or technically in Larchmont. And we thought, you know, it was just, we weren't thinking anything, but we told him that they live there. And all of a sudden Kevin Dillon, it's like a Friday night in, you know, December and Kevin Dillon's sitting with three of his friends uh, in a booth. And we yeah. just uh, kind of on the way out said, Hey, big fans. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool. Kevin Dillon's li living a good life right now. He's very much retired. He drinks a lot of wine and he plays a lot of golf. Good for him. He deserves it. Not bad. Songs. This is a really good episode for music. Um, you know, Entourage, week over week. We talked about London Bridge with Ferdy last week, but 
couple jumped out at me. I mentioned Idacha by Lupe Fiesto. I'm a Lupe guy. I grew up in Chicago. I saw him at the Tondras Theater when I was 19 years old. I did not fit in. That's all I'm going to say to that. Um, any other songs jump out at you, Jeff? Well, it's uh, I think Blitzkrieg Bop plays at the yeah. end, right? Vince, what's up? It's time to go to work, all right? I've got my next project. And his next producer. I might be interested in reading this. That was, and watching it as an, again, older and knowing how business works, like, you know, that that's a big get from a rights perspective. Definitely. Um, to be able to to get, have all this Ramones imagery and to have Blitzkrieg Bop playing at the end. Uh, so that was, that was just, uh, and I know, again, not to ruin the next episode, but there's a lot of Ramones in the next episode. So yep. this was clearly Entourage bought into the whole Ramones theme for, for an arc. Were you as excited as I and I think a lot of the viewers were about Vince potentially doing this movie? Like, obviously, as we know, it, it doesn't happen, which is a huge bummer. We talked about that in the movies of Vincent Chase episode that I did with my friend Tyler Banduho a couple months ago. But this was like the biggest like, missed opportunity for him, I think. I, I thought, you know, it, it could have probably been picked back up. Um, yeah. in future seasons. Yeah. So a little surprised they never did that. Clearly, he's excited about it. Um, he will play Enzo Ferrari in terms of playing someone in a biopic. Uh, so it's not. this is not like something that never happens. Um, it goes... It, at the time, it might have been a little too close to Queens Boulevard. That, That's true, you know, actually. Could, could, is Vince just going to play uh, actors from... or roles from with people from Queens. Yeah. Um, I think that his excitement about it and his, he's got the long hair going and he definitely could have pulled it off and everything. And, um, you know, again, not, not to ruin the next episode, but there's a great line where he says something about he's playing the guitar and he says, no, Vince, that's Johnny Ramone plays the guitar. And, or no, he says uh, Joey didn't play the guitar and drama says that was Johnny, which I'd be great for, by the way. Um, (laughs) So there's there is an aspect of he's still kind of a dumb actor who doesn't even know the details, but he's sure. really into the Queens aspect and he's really Definitely. into like it's a cool rock star sort of thing. You see it right now, right? What there's yeah. we got Elton John, Queen, the the rock star biopic has a lot of potential. And I believe he mentions it when he's on in the car coming back with Bob Ryan that he says, now that Joey's dead, we can do this. Good segue. Let's talk about celebrity cameos this week. I, we got to spend some time with the Martin Landau character, Bob Ryan. This is a really, really niche performance that is a reference to a famous film producer named Bob Evans. Are you familiar with Bob Evans at all? Not really, no. So he's a film producer, and he's a former studio exec. He's known for his work on Rosemary's Baby, The Godfather, and Chinatown. His memoir, it's a book called The Kid Stays in the Picture. It's an incredible read for anyone who's interested in reading about the history of old Hollywood from an insider's perspective. I read it in college. I think I have it on my bookshelf. I've been meaning to reread it again. Just kind of this, like wild child in the film world he got convicted of cocaine trafficking in the 80s like he had to film an anti-drug tv commercial because at the time he was the head of production at paramount studios he was initially offered to play the role of bob ryan as himself he declined but he agreed to allow the entourage cast and crew to use his, his actual home for the bob ryan's house wow. that they film at so which is which is really cool i think um a really great like tip of the hat to old Hollywood. And then he got Martin Landau. Martin Landau, I mean, he was a regular uh, in the television series Mission Impossible. He received several Emmy Award nominations, and he won a Golden Globe for that. He was nominated for Oscars like three, four times. He won an Oscar, finally. Um, it was the role of Bella Lodazzi in Ed Wood. Like The guy's been just a mainstay in Hollywood for decades, and he unfortunately passed away at the age of 89 in July of 2017. But what would you think of this performance, Jeff? I thought, I mean, and obviously, you know, there's he's in a few episodes, so mm-hmm. I particularly love him with Phil Mickelson later on. Oh, yeah. Even Martin Landau and himself represents old Hollywood in a way. So there's this whole aspect when you go to Los Angeles and you go to some of the tourist attractions or you go to the even the, the comedy store, you go to any of these places, you still see you see names of people that just didn't stand the test of time. Um, and from a 
from a behind the scenes, you know, in terms of production directors and people you don't even see on the screen, I think even more so they don't stand the test of time and they probably, you know, like any business, they become out of touch and they don't understand the way that special effects are working and new technology. And so I, I thought he encapsulated that. Um, I thought that I think that there's there's a hilarious running joke that a lot of Ari's clients hate him. And Bob <laughs> is one of Ari's clients who Ari clearly doesn't have any priorities toward, doesn't care about, um, you know, does not like will just let rot away. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor is just another name that comes yep. to mind as someone who always complains that Ari doesn't pay attention to him. Uh, Jessica Simpson. So he he fits that role um like i said it's a little painful at times it's just like we didn't even talk about in favorite quotes i guess this isn't a favorite quote but it's a you know a well-recognized one is that something you might be interested in oh yeah i mean he says it 12 times in this episode and i think it, it occurs another two dozen over the course of the show so that's that's an iconic entourage line uh in my opinion i feel bad that we you know i was thinking in my head before this episode even just talking about it that is a line that i that my friends and i still use you know that is something where we use and we know exactly what the reference is i'd say that that's something i use and then from the office when there's this you know i I think we talked about the office a little last time andy says early on he's like he's like i went to cornell ever heard of it so i think like those two lines like is that something you might be interested in and ever heard of it um fit in the same mold definitely classic um really quick did you notice that there was one more quit celebrity cameo in this episode it was when turtles walking into sony uh records when turtles walking into sony records yeah there are two rappers walking out and turtle kind of like pauses and looks at them did you know who that was who were they no Three Six Mafia. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. You'd only know that by doing what I do, which is going deep on the IMDb and the, the Wikipedia page. But, like, I wouldn't have recognized Juicy and them, like, at, at the time. I knew their music, definitely, but I wouldn't have recognized them, like, on site. You know, this is probably a Three Six Mafia's peak, right? 2006? I mean, I certainly remember listening to uh, a lot of that back then. So, um, yeah, I just, I just I had to mention it. Yeah, no, that's good. A lot of outdated references. I think everything that Bob Ryan says is an outdated reference. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll spend a little time here. You know, he says to Arya, it'd be easier to get a face-to-face with Osama bin Laden, which is pretty funny. He's talking about his housekeeper, Janice, and he says, Marlon Brando used to come to the house three times a week just to stick at morass. And that was before it was fashionable. Where is your house, Bob? Huh? Poor Eric's just like sitting there like nodding and smiling, which is kind of how you feel when you're trapped with these like old timers that just want to talk at you. Well, Eric seems to realize as the references are coming throughout the episode, at first he thinks they're cool and then he realizes how outdated all the references are. And then he realizes that the guy's a little spacey. Maybe he's suffering from from some early onset stuff and like he just like loses his train of thought and he's like, gotta get the fuck out of here. Here's kind of a broad question, Jeff. If this same episode's plot took place in 2019, how would it be different? I think that you could, um, you know, kind of what we were saying, like like uh, Bob Ryan's whole background is that he was a, a Hollywood, you know, star in, say, the 50s, 60s, 70s. I think you could do this really cooler with someone who's in the who was like a star in the 90s or even yeah. early 2000s and technology has just That's a great call. turned things around, you know, or they can't compete with Instagram actors and and musicians and stuff like that. Um, so I think you could do it. You could do that. Um, and I think that also plays into the Saigon role because it's so much about getting signed by record labels. And now we have a, a great chance the rapper example of yeah and um and little nas like if you're trying to be a break into the industry now the you're not trying to do it the old school way so i think there's there's a line at the end where saigon's manager says or saigon either saigon or saigon's new manager says something to turtle and drama about how turtle was trying to sign him to the whitest hip-hop label in town you know i think the i think the industry has turned a little bit in the last 13 years in terms of especially in terms of color definitely great insight um we haven't talked about it yet but uh you know vince's subplot of going to the butch store and like sleeping with the girl he meets at the butch store and then turns out vince is on her celebrity list 
list is in quotes. I thought that was an interesting plot that I think would be different in 2019 in the fact that like the ideas of couples having like celebrity lists probably isn't really a thing. They would just have like an open marriage. She'd just be like, oh, I'm married to my husband, but like we also sleep with other people. So I'm totally fine to sleep with you. And I think like Vince, like struggling with that or dealing with that would be a, would just be something interesting. Um, that type of like alternative sexual lifestyle stuff would have much more of a presence in modern day entourage if it was taking place in 2019. Yeah, we definitely haven't talked a lot about Vince, and this is not a Vince episode by any means. True. Um, his plot is interesting. First of all, he wouldn't go to a bookstore because they'd all be closed by now. That was so. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't take a tab there either. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think he says something like, uh, "Plus, I'm headed out. I'm gonna grab a couple books by yourself. Can't go to a bookstore by myself. Well, you don't drive. Yeah, but I do read. I do read." And he goes, and he, and he clearly is just going to pick up girls. Like, there's no intention of reading any book or anything like that. Um, and I think there's just a, a peak Vince moment when he's in the bed and he says something like, I want to spend another day with you and stuff. And she's like, I'm sure you can get another girl every day. And he's like being such a sweet talker when we know as the viewer, like, yeah, next episode, Vince is going to be with a different girl. But like, like this is just a one-time thing and somehow they it's not mentioned how they end up at a hotel um, <laughs> yeah. they go from like, like lunch to a hotel yeah. yeah like which i think vince just you know that's just uh, uh like oh, i'll just get us a hotel room right now for yeah. like a few yeah. hours yeah um so th- there's a very stereotypical vince aspect to this he hears her talk about marriage he hates commitment he just kind of is like eh, that's weird like up oh, i'll move on tomorrow yep good old Vinny. So uh, every week I like to just point out any like little bits of trivia or references that were made that, you know, and there were a ton of Bob Ryan references that I just, I'm not going to get into because they're a little outdated, but Bob Ryan does say in the car to E uh, when they're talking about the Ramones movie, he talks about Oliver Stone making the, the Doors movie. Famously, Kevin Dillon, who plays Johnny Drama, played the role of John Densmore in the Doors movie, which was made in 1991. A very young Kevin Dillon uh, appeared in that movie, which was cool. And, speaking of Johnny Drama, the scene where Drama is held over the railing at the hotel is an homage to the urban legend that Suge Knight once held Vanilla Ice over a balcony until he signed over the rights to Ice Ice Baby. Had you heard that story, Jeff? I hadn't heard that story. Um, I thought it was interesting that when he he comes back in, either Drama or, or Turtle says, you know, what would you have done with like 100 witnesses or something? And um Saigon's manager says, like, I would have said he, uh, we got, got 20 witnesses in here who would say he jumped or something like that. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Which uh, was just from like a, a law and sort of ethics and mm-hmm. uh, witness perspective was, I think that's timeless. That could be in, you know, that could be any part of our society. Yep, definitely. Especially in Hollywood, especially like in, you know, like wherever they are, West Hollywood or downtown LA, like. There's a, there's a little extra panache with something like that. Well, like, I didn't know that story that you just mentioned, but, like, it's almost Sopranos-esque. Like, what are you yep. going to do? Yep. Tell the cop? Those contracts are dead. Hey, Bunk, what do you say we don't try and strong-arm each other, huh? My man Turtle has got signed legal documents. What is threatening us going to do? Show this scarecrow the view. Scarecrow? Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got a pilot this week. Oh, oh, what the fuck? Man, you <laughs> He getting heavy yet? You really gonna throw him over the balcony with 50 witnesses down by the pool? Yeah, because I got 10 witnesses that's gonna swear he jumped. Yo, cuz, man, ain't a need for all this shit, man. We agreed you take care of Turtle. Yeah, but I didn't know I was gonna get insulted by the dude from Viking Quest. You watch Viking Quest? Turtle, tell him how much you was supposed to get off the deal you got me. 60 grand. All right, break the kid off at 60. But if I find out it was a penny less, I'm going to make a house call, for real. It might have been 40. Yeah, that's what I thought. Malik, break him off 35. Let me get his 40, man. Give him his 40. You okay, Drama? Yeah. Should have held out. I think I could have made the pull. Every week we talked about faces in the crowd. So those are actors or actresses who appear for a brief moment in the episode who have done other work or who are recognized for other roles. I have four this week, Jeff. 
Okay. I don't know. Did any jump out at you as being like, hey, wh- where do I know that person from? I, I want to try to keep this as efficient as possible. Um, without- the guy, the guy, the the manager or the, the music executive that yeah. Turtle sits with is definitely someone. Yeah, David Paymore plays Sammy Kane. The music did Zach. Yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we get started with Adam? Started on what? You know, the paperwork, the signatures, all that stuff. I mean, we can get started on that. Look, you even got this nice pen. Don't touch the pen, Turtle. That pen is for artists only. Gotcha. Sorry. What the fuck is going on? Nothing. Are you trying to fuck me? No. Then why are you sweating like the guy in Midnight Express? Where is your client, Turtle? I have no idea. You got till five o'clock to produce him or the deal goes away. He's been in tons of films, Searching for Bobby Fischer, City Slickers, Ditch Shorty. Uh, famously in Ocean's 13, he was like the exec that they like poison in the hotel room. I don't know if you remember that. I think that's where I might remember him from. Yep. He was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in 1992 for Mr. Saturday Night. So he's one. Uh, Miss Saigon is played by Anna Maria Horsford. She was in Friday, Nets Friday. She played Mrs. Jones. She was in 80 episodes of the Waynes Brothers. She was Dee Baxter. She has over 100 acting credits to her name and is still working to this day. The uh, bookstore girl, the girl with the open marriage or whatever it is, the uh, the list. Uh, yeah. That actress's name is Lindsay Sloan. She's been in a lot of comedic movies as of late. She's out of my lead, The Other Guys, and in both Horrible Bosses and Horrible Bosses 2. She was definitely someone I recognized um, as like someone who's been recently uh, f- you know, famous or recently uh, featured in Hollywood. And then I have one more. Sorry, I'm almost running out of breath with all these. So, do you know who Bella Thorne is? Oh, man, I feel like I should. I've heard that name a million times. Yeah. So, she's, like, pretty big, I guess, on Instagram. She's an American actress and singer. She's young. She's, I guess she's, I'm I'm looking at her birthday now. She's 21. I'm seeing, I'm looking her up right now. Yep, yep. She's, you know, she's been, she was on Big Love initially, she was on the Disney Channel series, Shake It Up. Uh, I don't know. She, she's been on all these shows and movies. Obviously, I sound like an old 31-year-old dude, but she's very popular now. She is the little girl that answers the hotel room door when Turtle knocks on it, and he goes, side on in here, and she goes, huh? This is her first acting debut is on this fucking episode of Entourage. Wow. That's something you got to share on Twitter, that clip. And, and I will. You, yeah. And, and maybe get someone's attention with that. Yeah, no, that's a that's a viral sort of thing. That's crazy. All right, we're rounding the bend here. We're almost done. Jeff, who would you give a six-man award to? Someone who comes in off the bench and just like makes use of their minutes. And it can include any of the main guys, but like who made the most of their screen time this week? Um, I mean, I think that this is, uh, I guess like it'd be so cliche to say drama here. Um, but I, I think that drama's, no, I'm going to go with Turtle. <laughs> because because I don't like the way the drama handles, like I said, the ver- the vernacular. Um, I think that Turtle, uh, this is his episode, and that yeah. he's like, you know, his whole um, perseverance in terms of like, I will not like, I have this money on the line. I have my job. This is this is my day. This is my biggest. You know, obviously there'll be bigger episodes for him later on in terms yeah. of his career. But at the time, this was, and I think Vince. Vince or drama, one of them says something at the beginning of the episode about how Turtle's about to, like, it's about to be a big day for Turtle. He's about yeah. to get his, to, about to cash in. Um, and I think that he carries himself the whole episode, even though it doesn't work out for him. He is the one hustling. He's the one dictating what goes on for half the storyline. That's true. I, I, You know what? You've convinced me. I originally had drama down, but uh, you've made a, a, a strong taste for Turtle being the Sits Man Award. So I will give it to Turtle as well. Um, we've talked a ton about Johnny drama. I just want to make sure we talked every week about our favorite Johnny drama moments. Did we miss any? I had one, I had one small one and we can move on unless you have any. So when he asks, go ahead. uh, Yeah, no, no, it might be the same one that you're about to say. So when he asked to borrow Miss Saigon's phone. Yes. (laughs) He goes, sorry to bother you again, ma'am. But can I use your phone, please? It's a local call. Won't take very long. Okay, hurry it up. He says it's a local call. It <laughs> like, won't take long. As if what he's going to dial China from her like front porch. Like, and this is 2006. People, yeah, that was funny. And then, and then he says the line when he like looks at her call a lot. He goes, "Do you know anyone staying at the Standard Hotel?" 
What? It's on your call log, Mrs. Saigon. What do you have to say about that? I don't have nothing to say about nothing. Literally, it's like he's trying to... It's like he's in a soap opera. He's trying to be all, like, ominous and stuff, and it's it's pretty fucking funny. There, There's a theme throughout the series of drama and turtle doing this detract detective work yep. you know it was in the season before they were following mandy moore and they're always and they're terrible at it like right <laughs> there's the line there where uh turtle like uh drama says you know slow down you don't want to get caught or something and they're in a yellow hummer <laughs> following mandy moore part parked outside her house in their yellow hummer <laughs> yeah and then in this episode like they they shake the window and Miss Saigon mm-hmm. comes out and drama tries to like and, and he's just it's terrible form that he mm-hmm. says, you know, what why'd you call the standard hotel and stuff like that? She could have easily just said, I don't you know, I got to Like she could have lied. She could have easily yeah. just said, oh, I have a friend staying there or something. Yeah. But like drama's intimidation says, makes her go I don't know nothing about nothing and closes the door and drama then turns turtles like what was that about and drama goes I don't know but our answer is at the standard hotel or something like that <laughs> right and then they roll up and turtles like how do you are you sure he's staying there staying here and drama says something like I have no doubt <laughs> and he's like what are you a medium now <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's <laughs> what are you auditioning for medium so who besides Vince won the episode? If Turtle's the sits man, who won the episode? Because Turtle, I guess he could have won as he got forty k at the end. Well, I think that I think that Eric wins because yeah. Eric walks in the door with Bob and Vince at the end, and Eric starts the episode. He's being Vince's bitch. He has to go to Ari's office. Yeah. Ari chews him out. He has to spend the day with Bob. Like everything's going wrong for Eric, and then he magically finds the uh, <laughs> the Ramon script, and all of a sudden it's like the tables have turned. Now he's like, "This is the movie we're making, Ari." And you know, then the next episode is going to start with them immediately. Eric, Ari, and Bob going to studios to pitch this movie that yeah. he has a hundred percent credit for finding. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, it's so weird how things just seem to fall into place right at the end of these episodes for Vince and E. <laughs> but I agree. I think it's E, you know? The script, I want to be sedated. God, I want to see this movie. I want to see Vince in this movie. It's a, it's a bummer it never got made. All right, last question, Jeff. Was this an A-list episode, a B-list episode, or a D-list episode? This is a B-list episode. Uh, yeah. This is, it's, it's, a, it's a crucial episode. I think the introduction, introduction of Bob is important. Yep. I think Turtle and Saigon is a, is a fun storyline that people know, and it's a big moment for Turtle. Um, I don't think, you know, you can make the argument that Eric, Vince, and Ari are the three most, you know, biggest storyline, you know, uh, most dynamic characters in, this, yep. in the series, and this is not an important uh, episode for them. They're but, sidelined a little bit. Ari's definitely sidelined in this episode. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there are parts of this episode that, like we mentioned, the fact that this is where Bob starts saying, is that something you might be interested in? The <laughs> yeah. fact that drama hangs off the balcony, that right there, those are two two entourage scenes that every entourage fan knows about. So that's why I think this pushes, but it's by no means a sort of like... I'm going to grab my roommate who doesn't even watch Entourage into the room because I need him to watch this A-list episode. It's not that. Definitely. And there's a there's a lot of time spent at Bob Ryan's house like with E just being like, please, Bob, I need to leave. So the, I, I, it lulls a little bit there. And yeah, some of our favorite cast members are have lesser roles than in other episodes. So I'm going to give it a B, maybe a B minus if, uh, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, B minus to the C. Uh, the other thing you mentioned that there's a lot of moments in Entourage where characters are trapped <laughs> places, whether it's, you know, Carl Ertz's house at the end or Ari's always trapped, you know, somewhere with the wife. And I, I feel like it's more of an LA thing because in New York, it's so easy to be like, I'm out. And I'm just going to get on, get in a cab or take the subway. Like to me, the fact that E is stranded and he didn't even drive himself. Yeah. There's nothing he can do. And that's very LA. And in the next episode, E's going to hitch a ride with Ari and be, you know, all of a sudden he's wherever Ari wants to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good insight. Well, Jeff, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for agreeing to do this on, on, an, on an early Thursday morning. Where can the listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah follow you, watch you? Tune in your 2K announcing. Like, uh, share with us where we can find you. Yeah, so at my social on every uh, everything is at Jeff Eisenband, J E F F E I S E N B A N D. 
In terms of my life, I so 2K League was a big thing that we had talked about over the summer. We're in the off season right now. That's at NBA 2K League on all uh, social. So stay tuned for that. We got an expansion draft, a regular draft, trade window, a lot of things coming up. And then the uh, season three will be starting in the spring. And then I got a a couple other things that I can't share, but coming down the pipeline that uh, I'll definitely keep you updated on. Awesome. Can't wait to see that. Everyone give Jeff a follow on Twitter. He's fantastic, especially during live sporting events. Uh, He's with it. Let me just say that. How many monitors do you have in front of you when you're tweeting in front of a game? It's mostly, it's Um, (laughs) two-ish. You know, I'll say that I, I... people might think laptops are dead, but they're still very important for GIF making uh, exactly. and finding memes and stuff like that. But uh, you know, I, podcasts. I tell people, people are always like, um, you know, can you, can you go to a bar and watch the game? And a lot of times I'm just like, I need to be in my Twitter dome, which I say, <laughs> yeah. it's like my living room. You know, I need to have things. I need to be able to go to screen and be watching stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, just speaking for anyone that if anyone's listening in sports and you want to gain your following, uh, there's no better time than to yep. engage with live Twitter. And, and here's some free advice. Uh, don't just say, wow, what a play. What is yeah. your your uh, your unique take that will also last when the game is over? Exactly. What's your reaction that's like shareable and like you know, memeable is kind of the 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 sticky word here. Memeable, um, but not like you're not fiending for just people to click retweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jeff, this was a lot of fun. Thanks again. I will be in New York towards the beginning of November, so let's either plan on maybe recording then or let's just grab a drink or something. Yeah, definitely. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye.